Have you ever hit that sweet spot where everything's going right, doors open, and opportunities magically appear? That is what Golden Alignment is all about. Dr. Beth Golden loves to play in that golden space and teach others how to get there and stay there. Get ready to listen, share, and experience what Golden Alignment in life can look like for you. Now, here is the host of Golden Alignment, author, speaker, and coach, Dr. Beth Golden. Hello, happy Wednesday. This is Dr. Beth Golden, and you are listening to Golden Alignment. And my special guest today is Teresa Funk, who is who has built a 26-year career on the notion that thinking outside the box means following your passion and bringing your unique talents to your workplace and community. She believes that all of us, um, no matter how ordinary, can be the sparks that start a movement, whether we mean to or not. And this notion was enforced by her work as an author interviewing the ordinary men and women who contributed in profound ways to the war effort during World War II and whose memories were the inspiration for Teresa's seven books about the war. Teresa has built an arts-based business that operates on the assumption that artists, businesses, civic groups, and individuals can collaborate to bring new programs into communities that benefit those in need. She encourages others to nurture and protect their creative and innovative ideas until they can bring them to fruition and to understand that there is no such thing as failure. So uh, Teresa embodies a modern artist entrepreneur. She's the owner of Teresa Funk and Company and Victoria House Press and is the award-winning author of seven novels for adults and children's children based on the stories from World War II. Wow, Miss Teresa, that's awesome. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Beth. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I have had the pleasure of meeting Teresa through a professional organization, and she is a lovely lady. And would you say you tend to be more introverted or extroverted? Well, that's funny because I'm actually an amnivert, which is the people that are on the line. So when I take the test, I'm just slightly above the line on the extrovert side, but I'm pretty close to the the very center. So I have my moments of um, the extrovert part of me loves to speak, loves to teach, loves to, you know, debate and communicate and discuss, and the introvert part of me likes to be really introspective and contemplative and have time every evening to myself to really think things through. So I'm both. Well, that and what was the term? I have to write this down so I learn something new every day. I think it's omnivert or omnivert. I uh, it might be omnivert. I'm not sure. But I I read an article about it and I was like, that's me because whenever I take the test, I'm when I was in high school, I was just below the line, and when I was mm-hmm. in college and since then, I've been just above the line on the extrovert side. So. Well, it's interesting. In my philosophy of work or the foundation that you could have um, a feature, a motivating feature that you actually love being in front of people. And 
it fills you up and excites you. And you could also have its opposite, which is what we call non-existence, which is humility and quiet and a great listener. So you're right. I see both of those in you. And as long as you know how to balance them, the world is perfect <laughs> for you and <laughs> for us too. Yes, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Well, let's kind of get jump into your wonderful writing career. And as you know, this show is Golden Alignment and how we move from various golden alignments in our life and how they shift and we, we move along paths and things happen that we don't expect. So we were talking about that on our pre-show interview do you want to just jump in and kind of give a little bit of your background and maybe hit sure. on some of the things that you thought were going to happen and morphed into something else? Yeah, sure. Um, I think, you know, your definition of golden alignment is, is really fascinating because that's kind of the way my entire career has played out, which is, you know, I knew from the time I was in fifth grade that I wanted to be a writer and on the one side, I had all of this encouragement from teachers and uh, my parents and other adults in my lives who would read my writing and say, you're wonderful, you have to be a writer when you grow up. And then at the same time, I was getting the messaging, you can't be a writer, that's not a job, it's a hobby, or you'll starve, you'll never make any money. And so I was really confused because I felt like what I was called to do was not really a possibility. So I went wow. to college and I decided to get a degree in history because I knew if I ever did write, I might want to write for his, you know, about history. So mm -hmm. after college, I had a couple of dead-end jobs that I really hated and I thought, is this how I'm going to spend my life, doing, doing jobs that I won't, don't want to do, that I don't feel I'm making a contribution that I could make? And I decided, no, I, I, why am I listening to people who tell me what I can and can't be? Um, if I want to be a writer, why, why not be a writer? So I started a freelance writing business, and I started writing for newspapers and magazines without really knowing what that was or how to do that. <laughs> I just jumped in mm -hmm. and, and did it, and I've been a professional writer for 26 years. So, um, yeah, it definitely came down to listening to my heart and just knowing that I needed to do what I was called to do or I was never going to be successful and never make a contribution. Well, I admire that because many of us don't come to that realization until we're much further down the road. Yes. <laughs> so for you to come to that, you know, right away and say, "Nope, I'm going to I'm going to write." Um, so how did, obviously you had freelance writing things, but share with us your stint, was it with PBS and what you were doing there and why and what came out of that? Well, when I was um, finishing up college, I was hired by PBS to work for them for a series that they were doing on Idaho history. And I was sent out to interview a man, kind of my job was to sort of see if they would be a good interview for the series. And he'd been on Wake Island and taken prisoner at the beginning of World War II. So he spent the entire war in prison camps in Japan and China. And his story was wow. just absolutely fascinating to me. And I'm looking at this man and thinking, you know, he lives right here in my hometown. Many of the Wake Island survivors did. Um, but I've never heard this story before. And I, I had no idea that people like this were living in my neighborhood that had survived these amazing things. 
And mm-hmm. I kept looking at his wife, too, and being really fascinated by her and wondering, well, what happened to her during this experience? And so when I decided to write a book, I, I knew immediately that I wanted to write about that story. I wanted to tell the story of the Wake Island civilians. They were contract workers on the island, construction workers. And then also mm-hmm. I wanted to tell the women's story. And as it turned out, I was the first person in 50 years to ever ask the women what they had gone through. So the, oh my gosh, the novel found them. I know. It was, it was amazing to think that no one had ever asked about their experience. Um, so the novel wound up becoming a comp- compilation of 13 men and women that I interviewed, and I took the best parts of their stories and put them in the main characters. So when you read that novel, it's 90% true. Like almost everything you read in the book actually happened to one or the other of the men and women that I interviewed. So wow. that kind of launched my, my career writing about World War II. I didn't intend to be a World War II writer, but that book led to my second book, which was Dancing in Combat Boots, Women's Stories from World War II. And I mm-hmm. wanted to dive more into what had women accomplished during the war, not the women we typically hear about, like nurses or correspondents, but ordinary women. What had they done during the war, and how did it feel to be a woman during the war. And so that book started out as a nonfiction book, and then when we couldn't sell it that way, it, it became a, a fiction book, a short story collection with an epilogue in the back that tells you what happened to each woman. And it's a multicultural series, because what I found out when I was doing my research is that most women of color had never told their stories from the war. And so um, that is something else I'm very proud of. It's a, it's a collection of women that you don't typically hear from. And then that book led so, to the children's series. Sure. I want I want to stop you. So what okay. were some of the cool things that you learned about them or that they shared with you? Because if you're the only person who had asked them in 50 years, I mean, there must have been some really cool um, nuggets or perspectives because women are about creating home and nurturance, whether they're held on an island or not. We have a very different... Um, perspective and role in life and in history. Exactly. And actually what happened to the Wake Island women was a really unique experience. Um, They were the wives and fiancés of the men. They were actually back on the mainland. They were not on the island. There were no women on the island um, at the base anyway. And so, but what happened to the, the women is since the men were civilians, there was no way for the Red Cross to track them. So for the entire war, these women didn't know if their husbands were alive or dead. And this is a time period when women were encouraged to marry young and have children young. And so especially the, especially the fiancés, but even some of the wives, were told not to wait for the men. And then the other thing wow. that was unique about their experience was since the men had been working for a construction company, when the island was taken, the money stopped. And so these women did not get support from the government because their men were not military So all of a sudden, these women, who most of them had never worked outside the home, were now forced to work and support their families. Um, And so that was the really unique perspective on the Wake Island side. With the women that I interviewed um, for Dancing in Combat Boots, it was really fascinating because one woman was a a Mexican-American woman running her brother's store. He joined the Navy and told Mm -hmm. her, you're in charge of my store. And so for a woman in a macho neighborhood to be in a position of power was like a fine line she had to tread. 
There's a, a uh-huh. Japanese American woman in the book who was in an internment camp. There's a woman who flew planes for the military. She was a wasp, and all of the discrimination kind of lobbed her way as a woman flying airplanes at that time. Um, so throughout the book, you see a lot of these. Every one of these women, even though they were very ordinary women, they're not women you've ever heard of. They were pushing boundaries. They were doing things that women had never done before. And experiencing backlash, there's an African-American woman in the book who was segregated in the Army by race and by gender. So it's a pretty fascinating collection. Yes. Now, we're going to be heading into our first break in just a moment, but will you please inform me as to where Wake Island is? Oh, it's a little tiny island out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It's about... 2,300 miles west of Hawaii, and there's nothing around it. It's completely isolated. So it's a pretty fascinating story that these men were able to survive the battle and hold off the Japanese for 16 days. They were the first heroes of World War II. Oh, my. See, I knew I would learn so much. (laughs) It doesn't matter what we say in our pre-show interview. We always know that spirit comes through with just the the most awesome things. So thank you Mm -hmm. for sharing that. We are going to go into our first commercial break. You are listening to Golden Alignment with your host, myself, Dr. Beth Golden, and my guest, Teresa Funk, who has made her life career out of writing and publishing books. So we will continue her fascinating conversation about her World War II series on the other side of this first commercial break. Do you want to create change in your life based on your values? Do you want to love this experience we call life because you are living in alignment with your soul's calling? Do you want to expand your relationship with abundance and move from surviving to thriving? By tuning into Inspired Choices radio show, Golden Alignment with Dr. Beth Golden, you'll receive tools and inspiration you can use to do just that. You'll be amazed by your golden health, wealth, love, and magical opportunities. Listen for the Golden Alignment radio show every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 1 p.m. Central, 12 p.m. Mountain, and 11 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Do you want the world to be greater? Are you a seeker, and do you know more is possible? Together, we can make it happen. Join us for the 22nd Century Consciousness Showcase. More than 20 movers and shakers in the world of empowerment will unveil their strategies for creating dynamic future success. All our speakers will invite and inspire you with their visions in the exciting world of consciousness. Each of them have put together amazing promotional packages with extraordinary pricing that will be available to you just for participating with us. The showcase begins June 11th and runs through June 15th. Join us at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com to never miss any of the amazing video conversations and fabulous offerings. We look forward to creating the future consciousness with you. Welcome back to the Inspired Choices radio show, Golden Alignment, with Dr. Beth Golden. To participate in this program, please call U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. 
You may also choose to comment by email by going to www.drbethgolden.com. Now back to Golden Alignment with Dr. Beth Golden. Welcome back. You are listening to Golden Alignment with myself, Dr. Beth Golden. I am a clarity mentor and I help people um, gain clarity about what motivates them, what their traits are, how much energy they have, and how they can translate that and their wonderful skills into making more money and serving more people. A lot of times we come to places in our life through change um, that we feel unsettled or confused and just need someone to help you along the way, and I am proud to be able to do that. My guest today is Teresa Funk, who is a author of 26 years. She is a speaker, and she also um, has a publishing business. And before the break, we were discussing her first two books on World War II and how she didn't think she was going to write about World War II, and then interviewing women and their experience, ordinary women, and really seeing how they were pushing boundaries. So, Teresa, let's pick up there, and you you were sharing that you have children's books, and I know that that was also kind of a, a shift in your golden alignment. Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you had told me when I started writing that I was going to write children's books one one day, I would have laughed, <laughs> and I would have said, yeah, that, that's not me. I'm not a children's writer, and, and I never saw that coming, but... Um, I started going into classrooms to talk to kids about writing in World War II, mostly fifth-grade classrooms. And most of the kids had never heard of Adolf Hitler. They'd never heard of Pearl Harbor. They'd never heard of World War II. And so when I would start talking about the war, they would just get absolutely fascinated. And, and one girl said one day, Mrs. Funk, why don't you write some books for us so we can learn more about this war? And at first I sort of dismissed the thought, but within a week I had come up with a a concept for the Homefront Heroes series, which is, again, each book is based on someone that I interviewed and their memories of being a child during the war. It is also a multicultural series. The first book is a a Caucasian girl working in a war factory in the Illinois Valley, and the second book is a boy in a Japanese internment camp in California. The third book is a Mexican-American boy in San Antonio, the fourth book is A Jewish Girl in the Bronx. And the fifth book, which just came out in March, is a Navy officer's daughter who stood on the front um, yard and watched the bombs fall on Pearl Harbor. So it's oh the first gosh. time in children's literature that a military daughter's story has been told. Most Pearl Harbor stories for children have male main characters. So I really wanted to bring a, a really different perspective into that experience. So, how long are these books? They're in a series and how, you know, how many pages average is each one of these stories about different cultural yeah. perspectives and geographical perspectives too. Yeah, right. Um they're middle grade books, so it's mostly kids ages 8 to 13 who read them. So, middle grade books are typically shorter. So the books mm-hmm. are probably about 184 pages on average. They all are right around that that number. And then there's some back matter in the back that tells them more about what kids did during World War II and, 
and enables them to meet the real person that I interviewed. So there's a section called Meet the Real Homefront Hero that tells them what parts are true and what parts are made up. And they love that. They love that section because kids that age, that's one of the first things they ask you. Is that true? Did that really happen? And so they really <laughs> like going to the back of the book and finding out. So, Wow. Well, it sounds fascinating. And I, it may have been written for children, but I think it would be an amazing read for adults, too, and something that you can learn a lot from and, and kind of zip right through them. Um now, Teresa herself has been pushing boundaries in this industry for quite some time. So share with our listening audience, you were saying that only 5% of authors can usually live off of the sales of their book. And um, so art would be, you know, as you're writing art, your business. So share that that perspective and what we were talking about. Yeah, I think, you know, when you become an author or you become a writer even before you're an author, no one ever tells you that if you're an author, you actually are sort of a business person. You own your own business. And in my case, <laughs> I, I I very specifically own my own business. But um, And that you have to think of it as a business and you have to think of it as the work that you're doing. And Arts-based businesses are very challenging in so many ways. And so when I started my company, I started um, Teresa Funk and Company as the umbrella company for all of the things I do, speaking, coaching, you know, consulting, um, writing. And then I started mm-hmm. Victory House Press to publish my own books. And I had had agents, and I had gone the traditional route, but we kept running up against um, marketing decisions that affected my ability to move forward. So the editors would like my books, like the writing, like the concepts of the book, but then it, we were told the World War II history doesn't sell, short story collections don't sell. So it came down to a marketing decision, which was really frustrating for me. And so that's when I decided to start my own press, which I did with a mm-hmm. with a friend of mine, and then eventually I went out on my own. And so that I've been doing that since you know we first published the first book in 2002, and then I've published all the books since then myself as well. So it becomes a full-time job because you're marketing you a great deal of the time. You're trying to write the next book. You're you know doing speaking engagements. You're doing school visits as a children's author. You're doing all kinds of things to try to keep the business going and raise awareness about the books. So it's very challenging. And and as I said. Five percent of authors make a living off of their book sales alone, and those are the John Grishams and the you know the the Stephen <laughs> Kings of the world. And the rest mm-hmm. of the time, most writers, like many professional artists, have to have other work. A lot of my writer friends are editors. They are teachers. They run programs. Um, they have day jobs, and then they write the rest of the time. Wow. Now, you were fortunate enough to be able to do this full-time because you had a wonderful husband that was supportive of you. So you've been really well supported and carried throughout your entire life, which I think is wonderful, and it gives you the opportunity to you know, give back in so many ways. And <laughs> I was just thinking about, um, I'm looking at my notes you know, how much energy does that take from you? And then how do you 
as any entrepreneur, you have to be very organized and disciplined with your time. So do you write every day for a specified period of time? Do you have a place where you go where it's quiet so you can kind of tune the world out? Yeah, and I think that um, most successful authors will tell you that it is very important to have a designated place that is your writing space. And I have a, a desk, I have a, an office in my house where I do my writing, and I don't do anything else at that desk. I don't pay bills there. I don't write letters to my aunt. You know, I don't. That's my workspace. And when I go down there, my brain shifts to work, and that's really important because if you think of this as not just a hobby, you have to invest. Um, time and you have to invest in good equipment and a, a place where that you can take this seriously and the things that you need to succeed. You know, I have a standing desk because if you wind up sitting all day, then that's very hard on your body. It's interesting. Writers have a lot of issues with our 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 hands and our arms and our shoulders from just sitting and writing as much as we mm-hmm. do. So you do. I mean, you take it very seriously as a business and you. You try to, you know, build your life around what is going to support that business. And you take right. classes and you learn how to do the things you don't know how to do. You learn how to do accounting. You learn how to do marketing. You learn how to do all the things that um, are going to make you successful, which is not what most writers want to do. Most writers want to just sit around and write all day. I would love to be able to do that. <laughs> but if I did just sit around and write all day, you'd never hear about me, and you would never hear about my books, and that's not fair to my books. So that's why I do the marketing yes. is because I want my books to have a life of their own. Uh, it's not fair to your books. I know it's like this This is something you birthed and it's, you know, creative endeavor. I am chuckling, as you said, you know, you have a, a specific desk where you write and you don't pay bills. And I'm looking at my desk and I'm going, well, no wonder I can't tune into <laughs> writing. I, I <laughs> I put on um, like multi-layered soundtracks when I write, and it really does. Mm-hmm. It puts you in a theta brainwave, theta alpha brainwave state. So I can lose just like be in space for three hours writing, and then go, oh, I'm not hungry, I'm not thirsty, I didn't have to go to the bathroom. But yes. it's very challenging <laughs> as I look around my desk, and I'm kept thinking, why can't I write in here? Because I my bills are to the left, and I keep thinking this right. needs to be cleaned up. So yes. thank you for that. I think I'll just create. This is where I'll do that part of my life, and I'll create a different space where none of that is around me <laughs> to distract me. Yes. And I think, um, you know, what I always tell writers and, and any artist is that you have to work in a manner that works best for you. So you don't just take any old writing advice that you get. You have to take the advice that fits you and your business model the best. And so some writers do write every single day, and they write for a designated period of time, you know, one hour or four hours, or they write a certain number of words. I want to write 500 words a day. Um, other writers find that because of their lives and their, you know, their children and all of that, that they have to block out time in the week. You know, every Wednesday night and every Saturday morning they're going to write. And they accomplish just as much. And so... We have to figure out what works for us. I am not somebody who writes every single day because I have so many different aspects to my business that some days my focus has to be there. And if I did try to write that day, I would have split focus. So I tend to do more of blocking out time for my writing, and I tend to be really, I call it all or nothing, which is sort of binge Mm -hmm. writing. (laughs) You know, when I start something, I just really, really want to work on it, and I'll work on it for several days in a row. 
Um, and so I know that about myself, and I have to block that space out. So you have to figure out what works for you and what's going to make you successful, not trying to model yourself on someone else. Well, I love this because you are sharing your wisdom, which is all about coaching people and being a creativity coach. Um, will you please share your story about you know, truly believing that's something that you wanted to do? I'm going to let you take it because I don't want to f- feed a lot of info, but that was something that we talked about and how you came out the other end and said, no, I don't really want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think oh, again, hang, hang on, hang a... on. Sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, we are going to go into our second break, and we will pick that up on the other side because I, I think it is a, a great example of listening to your gut and intuition no matter where it kicks in. Um, you are listening to Golden Alignment with myself, Dr. Beth Golden, and my guest today is Teresa Funk of Teresa Funk and Company, and um, is it Victory Press? Victory House Press, yeah. Victory House Press. And on the other side of this commercial break, we're going we're gonna to venture into how Teresa's intuition has led her to things or away from them, even if people have um, are kind of pushing her in a direction. So thanks for listening, and we will pick this up on the other side of this commercial break. Do you want to create change in your life based on your values? Do you want to love this experience we call life because you are living in alignment with your soul's calling? Do you want to expand your relationship with abundance and move from surviving to thriving? By tuning into Inspired Choices Radio Show, Golden Alignment with Dr. Beth Golden, you'll receive tools and inspiration you can use to do just that. You'll be amazed by your golden health, wealth, love and magical opportunities listen for the golden alignment radio show every wednesday at 2 p.m eastern standard time 1 p.m central 12 p.m mountain and 11 a.m pacific on inspiredchoicesnetwork.com do you want the world to be greater are you a seeker and do you know more is possible Together, we can make it happen. Join us for the 22nd Century Consciousness Showcase. More than 20 movers and shakers in the world of empowerment will unveil their strategies for creating dynamic future success. All our speakers will invite and inspire you with their visions in the exciting world of consciousness. Each of them have put together amazing promotional packages with extraordinary pricing that will be available to you just for participating with us. The showcase begins June 11th and runs through June 15th. Join us at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com to never miss any of the amazing video conversations and fabulous offerings. We look forward to creating the future consciousness with you. Welcome back to the Inspired Choices radio show, Golden Alignment, with Dr. Beth Golden. To participate in this program, please call U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You may also choose to comment by email by going to www.drbethgolden.com. Now back to Golden Alignment with Dr. Beth Golden. 
welcome back. You are listening to Golden Alignment with myself, Dr. Beth Golden, and my guest today is Teresa Funk. Um, just because we're on the other side of the break, I am going to be one of the people being interviewed for 22nd Century Consciousness and my uh, my spot will be June 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we'll be discussing the doer's guide to being and how we can um, seek inspired action and align with our thoughts and align with source energy first so that whatever we do is going to come to fruition with a whole lot less effort. And so this brings me right back around to Teresa and she is very sensitive and intuitive, as a, a writer is who's downloading information. And there have been a couple of situations um, that you shared with me where you thought you were going to do it, you didn't. People have been encouraging you to move in different business arenas. So would you please share a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I think when you have an arts-based business, and in my case, it's it's based around writing, but this goes for other artists as well. You know, we're always trying to think outside of the box. We're always trying to come up with a a solid way to make an income, but that feels like it's in alignment with our art and with what we feel we bring to the world. And you know, there have been many times when I have started projects in my business that have been very unique and, and no one else was doing them and, and I wanted to show that they could work and I wanted to be successful with them and they did work and they became sort of hallmarks of my business. But there have been just as many times when I have thought of an idea, started an idea, gone down a certain path and then realized that it was not the right thing for me. And one of those examples is I was working with a business coach and he was really good. He was kind of expensive, and so I was spending a lot of money with this business coach, and we decided that I should be a creativity coach and that we should add that uh -huh. to my business model. And then through that, it would lead to a certain kind of speaking that would take my speaking to the next level. And we built it out, and we built out what the programming would look like and the costs, and I put it up on my website, and it was up for a few months. And then I took it down, and I told him, I'm, I'm not going to do this. This this is not what I want to do. This doesn't feel right to me. And in so many ways, it was something that would have been successful. On paper, it looked like it would work, and, and it made a lot of sense. And even other colleagues that I talked to were like, yeah, you have to do this. But in the end, it just didn't feel like where I wanted to devote my time and energy. And what I think creative people learn is that we have to be very protective of our energy and our mm -hmm. passion because when you get sucked into something that is draining your energy and you're doing it just because you think you should or just because you spent the money to build it, to build it and then you don't have the energy left to do the really creative work that is going to work for you, that you are going to feel passionate about and that you are going to feel energized by. And I know that, and I'm very protective of, of my energy. So I have dropped projects even when they were working if it felt like I needed more energy for something else. Uh, I was willing to drop them at that point too. And some of them were good things, things that I enjoyed doing, things that I was good at, but I needed my energy to shift somewhere else. And so 
that's that's a very scary thought for a lot of um, arts entrepreneurs. They're afraid to let go of something that brings in the money because they're afraid mm-hmm. that money won't be replaced in some other way, but it always is. You know, when you're putting your energy and your passion towards what you're meant to do, then the money does follow. Maybe not as much as you want sometimes, but you you get by. Well, I love several of the statements. Um, I had had another guest, um, Mark Greger, and both of you were saying that logically it made sense. On paper, it was a great idea. But that spirit often has us do things, which you were saying, out of the box or stretching either yourself or somebody's el- someone else's belief system. And so just because it makes good sense doesn't mean that it's the right place to put your energy. And the other part that I really appreciate you emphasizing is being aware of how much energy you have and where you want to direct it. Because that's something every person on the planet, as we evolve and become more aware, needs to think about. We have a finite amount of energy, and how are we using that on a day-to-day basis? So when you are in your flow and doing things that you really love, does that give you energy as opposed to things that is that are pulling you away from that and you're losing energy? Exactly. Yeah. You know, my husband and I even talk about that even in our personal lives. We 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 use that statement where, you know, we'll say, "Well, we should do this or maybe we should try that or" and then one of us will say, "Oh, that drains my energy just thinking about it." Um and yeah. then the opposite. Sometimes somebody will suggest something and you'll feel your energy rise and you know, "Okay, this is a hobby I should pursue or this is an event I should go to because I just felt that rise in my energy. And that's that's what you know is the right thing to do. And I think when you work in a creative um, field like I do, people don't understand how much passion and energy it takes to stick to a project as long as a book that may take you two, three, four, five years to write. And so we have to be very protective of, of our creative energy or those projects they go away or they don't get done as well as they could or um, we lose interest in them. And so I think as artists we know that our, it's, not, it doesn't, it's not indulgent to say, I'm sorry, but I have to, I have to honor my passion or I have to feel, um, I have to go in the direction of my energy. It sounds very indulgent and people say, oh, you spoiled artists, but they don't understand that in order to create what we create, that has to be present. Oh, absolutely. And I love that because it's not selfish. We have to give from our overflow. You know, they talk, oh, we you can't give from an empty cup. Well, okay, I'm going to give from a full cup. No, you have to give from your overflow, from the saucer where it's spilled out. And we have to be very protective of that. I and creating you're creating a reality or a, a different reality when you're writing books. Um, whether we're indulging in a creative written or artistic, we're always creating, and we need to be looking forward. We need to be staying in a place that feels good. 
because when we are, we are in alignment and things move with ease and grace. When they don't feel good, we're, we're in a place of resistance. So uh, Teresa and I were, were talking and I was kind of laughing because I was saying, okay, it's my soul's purpose or the purpose is a quest for joy and staying in a place of joy and looking for the wonder in life. And um, share with us the juxtaposition of where some of your greatest works came out of, which wasn't necessarily that space. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's really important that that our lives be driven by joy and passion and love, and that that first and foremost is the most important thing. But I think what when people hear that, sometimes it gives the impression that it's never okay to feel down or to feel depressed or to feel um, insecure or any of the things that artists feel on a regular basis. And <laughs> right. some of my best work has come from some of my darkest moments where I was ready to give up, where I was um, frustrated and confused and lost. And when you're in those spaces, you tend to become really contemplative because nothing else that's going on around you really matters. Like You don't care about going out and having fun or going out and enjoying the garden because you're not feeling it. And so you wind up being really contemplative and really going really deep inside. And so sometimes in in those spaces where I've been in a dark place have been where I have figured something out, either a project or I have figured out what it is that's missing that I need. So I don't feel bad about the days when I'm down. And I don't mm-hmm. feel like I have some sort of obligation to go searching for joy in those days. I just stay in that space and I'm just curious about What's causing me to feel so down? What What is going on here? What kind of message is this trying to convey? And what kind of art lies under the surface of this this darkness? And a lot of times that is. I mean, on the flip side of that, some of my best ideas have come from moments of happiness, like when I was got the idea for the children's series. We were actually on a spring break trip with our children. We were driving home across Colorado, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, I have the greatest idea. And it was just so exciting. And and to be in the car with my family in that moment and to feel, you know, their energy rise and to feel that 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 joy of creation that, that you're sharing it was an amazing moment. And that was, you know, that led to my children's series. But Dancing in Combat Boots, the book it is now, came about because I went to a very dark place where – when the editors were telling me nonfiction books don't sell, this is a great concept, but we're not going to be able to sell this this book, it was an oral history collection at the time, I, I thought, mm-hmm. do I have to give up on all this work I've done? And it was in that dark place that I realized how to change the book and make it better. Wonderful. Um, we are going into our third and final break. You are listening to Golden Alignment with myself, Dr. Beth Golden, and my wonderful guest today, um, Miss Teresa Funk, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this uh, being able to be in a, a darker place and recognizing your emotions and how we have a juxtaposition to to kind of move back and forth with the pendulum swing. So look forward to completing this conversation on the other side of this commercial break. 
want to create change in your life based on your values? Do you want to love this experience we call life because you are living in alignment with your soul's calling? Do you want to expand your relationship with abundance and move from surviving to thriving? By tuning into Inspired Choices Radio Show, Golden Alignment with Dr. Beth Golden, you'll receive tools and inspiration you can use to do just that. You'll be amazed by your golden health, wealth, love, and magical opportunities. Listen for the Golden Alignment Radio Show every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 1 p.m. Central, 12 p.m. Mountain, and 11 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Do you want the world to be greater? Are you a seeker, and do you know more is possible? Together, we can make it happen. Join us for the 22nd Century Consciousness Showcase. More than 20 movers and shakers in the world of empowerment will unveil their strategies for creating dynamic future success. All our speakers will invite and inspire you with their visions in the exciting world of consciousness. Each of them have put together amazing promotional packages with extraordinary pricing that will be available to you just for participating with us. The showcase begins June 11th and runs through June 15th. Join us at InspireChoicesNetwork.com to never miss any of the amazing video conversations and fabulous offerings. We look forward to creating the future consciousness with you. Welcome back to the Inspired Choices Radio Show, Golden Alignment, with Dr. Beth Golden. To participate in this program, please call U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You may also choose to comment by email by going to www.drbethgolden.com. Now back to Golden Alignment with Dr. Beth Golden. Welcome back to Golden Alignment with myself, Dr. Beth Golden, and my wonderful guest, Teresa Funk, who has been an author for 26 years. And we've been discussing her process of of growth and things that work and things that haven't and how she stays aligned and really honoring her energy. Um, before the break, Teresa was talking about some of her greatest works have come out of you know, some of the saddest or hardest or not comfortable moments. And our souls come into our bodies, and this is a way to say, okay, what do I need to look at? I need to be still. What do I want? What do I want and why? So we came into these physical bodies to have the full spectrum of emotions. And so it is not, I do not advocate just shoving that aside. So thank you, Teresa, for, for sharing that perspective. Um, share with us a little bit about uh, another business idea that about the nonprofit and how, as a business person, your yes has to be a yes and your no has to be no, and you need to be really centered in knowing who you are and what makes you thrive. Yeah, Um well, the nonprofit side of things is another example of a time when I was given a lot of advice by several people that makes very logical sense. And it's a traditional way of doing things, which is that I do a lot of programs in which I give back to the community, either donations of books to 
organizations that work with at-risk, low-income, and Hispanic children, or school visits where I go in and I work with schools on writing workshops. Um, so I've done lots of different kinds of programs that give back to the community, and that was important to me. And so many times people would say to me, you need to start a nonprofit arm to your business. And I got that advice a lot, and and it's solid advice. It makes sense in a lot of ways. Nonprofit, you know, the nonprofit system is in place to allow people to get grant money and donations and all of those things. But arts-based businesses, in my opinion, um, struggle in the nonprofit world because in our area of Colorado, in northern Colorado alone, there's 3,000 nonprofits. So when you are competing for a small bank of donors and you have that many nonprofits, what I saw happen during the recession was many of the arts organizations that I knew that were nonprofits nearly went under because during a time of scarcity, people feel that it's more important to provide clothing and food and warmth to people than it is to provide art. And so it was sort of this balance of if we start a nonprofit, in a sense, in my opinion, um, it was kind of like operating always from this scarcity mentality of, we got to get more donors. Um, we didn't get that grant this year, and we thought we would. What are we going to do now? We have to make compromises on our art in order to attract certain donors. Or the board wants us to do this, and yet that doesn't feel like the mission that we first set up. And so there's a lot of really great things about the nonprofit structure, and I understand why a lot of arts organizations go with it, but there's a lot of things that tie our hands as well. And, and affect our art and create that that scarcity mentality. And so I just wanted to find other ways to do it. <laughs> I, I just wanted to, to show <laughs> that artists could have for-profit businesses where we could still give back and share our art with the world. And so the programs I've started are oftentimes partnerships um, mm-hmm. where I'm partnering with nonprofits or I'm partnering with businesses or I'm partnering with schools to bring things that the community needs to fruition. Um, but we're going to do it in a way that makes sense and it feels good to me and feels good to the mm-hmm. people that I'm working with. So that's very important. That Well, I love that. And that's being centered. And I love what you said that oftentimes if you're depending on a nonprofit, it throws you into a sense of lack and pressure and you know, and how do you do the dances? Okay, this is part of my business is for profit, and that's nonprofit, and it's just a lot right. more balls to juggle too. It's yes. like, oh god, that makes me tired just saying it. <laughs> like, where are you going to yes. put your brain on that one? Um, Teresa, I just wanted to let you know we have about four minutes left, three and a half, four minutes. So, if there's anything really important that's pulling at your heartstrings that you want to share with us. Um, we've been posting your website throughout this uh, this chat time, but if you want to give that information over the airwaves, that might be a great idea too. Sure. Um, I'm actually going to be rolling out a new website, hopefully within the next month, and it'll just have some new features on it and, and showcase what I do a little bit better and and the fact that for 26 years, as a writer, as an author, as a speaker, as a coach, you know, my focus has been on sort of celebrating ordinary people and the amazing things that they do. So I do that in my own writing, 
and I do that when I write my personal writing, when I write personal essays or I write poems or whatever that are based on my personal experience. But I also do it in in the community, and I do it when I was doing a lot of writing coaching. A lot of the the people who came to me were very ordinary people. They were retired teachers and engineers and, and mothers with three children, and they had a book inside them, and they had something that they wanted to say to the, to the world, and, and I honored that, and those books came out. And so part of what I love to do is just encourage people that um, – you don't have to be famous. You don't have to be super talented. You don't have to be all of the things that we associate with artists and with creativity in order to make a difference in the world. You know, your goals, your hopes and dreams affect other people. And when you follow them and when you do what you're meant to do, your mm-hmm. what you put out there in the world has a ripple effect and it starts to touch other people. And so for me, you know, my, my greatest message in everything I do is just to tell people you don't have to be in a position of power to make a difference. You can do it in your ordinary mm. life, in your ordinary world, and that's how we all contribute to the movements that are happening right now in this country. Even if they're led by famous people or these charismatic beings, that's not what makes a movement happen. What makes a movement happen is all of the ordinary people who get behind it. And I think that's one of the strongest messages of World War II is that we were united in an effort, and it felt really good, you know. So yeah. that's what I would like to encourage yeah. people to do is follow your passion. Um, yes, check me out at, at www.teresafunk.com. That's T-E-R-E-S-A-F-U-N-K-E.com. And... And go out there and do, do find, find what it is that you're meant to do and do it. Make it work. Well, and I love how you're saying you don't have to be famous and that we each have a ripple effect. And that happens so often. I think of simple examples like Post-it notes. You know, the glue didn't work and they created, oh, this will work. And you never know what your idea is going to bring forth. And doing things that bring you joy and creativity that's what makes your heart beat a little bit faster, too, and get excited about and give you energy. And also being really balanced, knowing who you are, knowing what you want, knowing what your core desired feelings and your core desired values are, so you can make decisions in alignment with that. I want to thank you so much for being here with Teresa and I today on Golden Alignment. We will see you next week at the same time, Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for choosing to listen to Golden Alignment. Dr. Beth Golden will return next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 1 p.m. Central, 12 p.m. Mountain, and 11 a.m. Pacific on InspireChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, enjoy playing in that golden space where health, wealth, love, and magical opportunities appear in golden alignment for you.